Bibles with me to the book of Colossians. between what's taking place here in Colossians and also what's taking place in Matthew and what's taking place in Mark. Would you like to see it? Same Starting in verse number 11, chapter 2. In whom also... <clears throat> Ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him with buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through faith in the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and it took and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now I want, to, I want you to catch a few words. I want to go back over this and I want you to, to look and I'm going to stop and I'm going to draw our attention to something. Now, before I do, I want to draw our attention to this word, identification. There's a lot of places that have securities that are so high. Y'all may have some strict security down there where you work. I don't know just how it is. There's some places, you know, you got to, you got to show your card before you can get in it. And you can't get it with just any card. You, there's special cards that you've got to have that give you access. There's other places that, that read things on your mind like your eye to check out to make sure that it's you, that there's... They're not letting you in unless you can pass that screening. And if you can pass that screening, you're allowed to come in. And it has to do with your identity. You've got to be identified with what you're working with in order for them to let you in. You've got to be granted access into there. Just because you want to get in don't mean you can get in. Now, this is on a whole nother level when our identification with the things that God is talking to us through his word, he's talking to us about our identification with Christ. And there's certain things that cannot be done on this earth without this identification with Christ. But even though we may have been identified with Christ, if we don't know about our identification, we still can't do the things that he wants us to do. 
Now, let's see if we can, can pick out some of these here words that kind of tell us some, of, some about this. In whom? This is one of the phrases that he's talking about here in the scripture of identification with him in whom? Because a lot of times we see Jesus as in heaven and we see ourselves here on the earth. And we are here on the earth and he is in heaven. But there's a, an identification because of things that he has done for us and through our believing and trusting and relying on him has made certain things available to us. And it's a must that we as the church find out about these things because if we don't find out about these things, we can't walk in these things. Even though they're made available to us, they're still almost like foreign information to us. And he doesn't want these things to be foreign to us. He wants it to be things that we know. And when I say the word know, I don't mean just know about. He wants us to know them so that we can operate in them. So, one of the words of identification here would be, in whom? Now, when he says, in whom, what's he, what's he saying? Let's read the next part. Also, you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the Old Testament, the sign of covenant that God initiated with Abraham was the cutting away of the foreskin on the male part. Now, he's speaking something here because that was a type of this. It wasn't this, it was a type of this. Because this is not only for men, this is also for women. Now, one of the ways I want to describe that, that foreskin that, was, that was, was cut off, proud flesh. Proud flesh. And men's got plenty of proud flesh in a whole lot of other parts. And women's got a lot of proud flesh. Can anybody identify? So there's something that's got to be cut away. Just as it had to be as a sign of covenant, for the men to be circumcised in the old covenant, here it is that he's talking about under the new covenant and what Jesus has done for us. There's a cutting away of the proud flesh because the proud flesh will always keep somebody separated from God, from walking outside of covenant. One of the things of proud flesh is exalting the mind above the word of God. It has to be cut off. It's not just it's not just padded and say it'll be all right, baby. It's got to be cut off. <clears throat> so he's talking about here a circumcision made without hands. You know, and all kind of there's all kind of erroneous things that people would think, especially in the day with technology and all that we have. It's like, how in the world are they going to do it? They're going to do it with a robot. No, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing that has to take place. In putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
This is part of our identification with Christ. This is part of our walking in the power of God, of walking in the Spirit. It's when God, real, when God reveals things to us about ourselves that we're willing to lay it on the altar and sacrifice it to God. Not to leave it, let it have place any longer. Buried with him <coughs> in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. Now, catch this one right here. This was in whom? With him. He's still talking about identification. Because most of the time in the church world, what we do is we see our relationship with God. He's God and here we are. We don't see ourselves in connection with him. But Jesus is called the head and we are called the body. And it's important that we catch the revelation of this, that it dawns on our heart because of in that identification, there's power that's made available to us for us to, for us to walk in. Now, one of the words for, for power is authority. There's authority that he has given to us, the church. But if the church doesn't know that it has authority, they won't ever walk in it. Even though it's made available, even though it's recorded in Scripture, we never... We never really um, step into it until there's a revelation and the revelation is this who we are in Christ not just what Jesus did for us but who we are in Christ and there's a connection we're connected to him now I've, I've said this before but I want to bring it up right here if you saw somebody walking in here, if you saw a body walking in without a head, what would you start thinking first thing? <laughs> you would think that was some kind of freak thing. You might tear out of the church or make a... That door right there might become popular. Oh, this door right here. <laughs> or what would you think if you saw a head come floating in without a body? I guarantee you that'd be more spooky, wouldn't it? But a lot of times we see ourselves so severed from Jesus and what he's accomplished for us when he calls us he calls himself the head and he calls us the body because we don't identify with him. We believe that he died for our sins. We believe that he forgave us. But a lot of times it's just about as far as it goes and it goes a lot farther than that. And through our identification with him, there's things that he wants accomplished here on the earth. See, God is a spirit. And he's got to have somebody to work through. He's got to have someone to work through. 
And, but we're a spirit also, so there's a, there's a communication link that's already built into us. You know, a lot of times we think we got to get the equipment so that we can be on the same page with God. I tell you one thing, once you get born again, you got the equipment. You're connected with him. Your spirit man has been made alive. And you're able to communicate with him spirit to spirit. But we're so trained in the flesh and in the mind that a lot of times we don't even know that we got a spirit. And that we can commune with, with, with God on a, on a higher level than what other animals and all can. You know, that was one of the things that uh, they told us when we were in biology class. That we was a mammal and we just an animal. But we are more than animals. You say, are you smarter than what biology says that you are? I sure hope that we are. When we've been made in the likeness of image and image of God and biology don't even know that. All they can tell you about is the natural. Because they want you to believe that you came from a monkey. You didn't come from a monkey. You're made in the likeness and the image of God. You've got a spirit. The monkey's got a, he's got a mind, but he ain't got a spirit. Sandy told me she went to argue with me one time. And she said, I, I told you animals have feelings. I, I said, I ain't never said that animals didn't have feelings. But they don't have a spirit. <coughs> we're, a, we're in a whole other class of being. Made in the likeness and the image of God. That's why you can't just have fellowship with a cow and a horse and a dog and Although, I saw this bumper sticker that said one time, said, I wish everybody thought I was as wonderful as my dog did. <laughs> said, I wish everybody thought I was as wonderful as my dog did. <laughs> well, you scold the dog, and then five minutes later, he'd be wagging his tail, looking you in the face, glad to see you. <laughs> Buried with him, in baptism, wherein you also are risen with him. Have you ever made a connection with, with Christ rising from the dead and you rising from the dead? Have you ever made a connection there? See, there's a connection in the word of God. And if there's a connection there in the word of God, we need to find out something about it, to see something about ourselves that maybe that we didn't know. Because if, if we can find out something that we didn't know, it might be part of a missing link of why we're not doing some of the things that we're supposed to be doing and walking in the authority that he's got for us to walk in. Who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your in sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened. And a lot of times we, we don't see ourselves any different than anybody else in this world, but we as believers should see ourselves different because of something, a transaction that's been made with Jesus Christ. And hath quickened us together with him. 
Here's another one of those places. With him. Because a lot of times we, we, we would say, I believe that Jesus did that for Jesus, but we don't see our connection with Jesus. See, Jesus didn't do any of the things that he did for Jesus. He didn't even come to this earth for Jesus. He didn't need to. He was the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. Did you meditate on that scripture? Wasn't that good? It will get better. I promise you. But through the connection, He was already one with the Father. Why in the world did He need to come? He didn't do any of it for Jesus. He did it all for us. And now he wants us identified with him. He didn't just overcome for him. He overcame for us. And that needs to be something that we understand in a deeper level that it's not just a theory. See, there's a lot of difference in a theory and, and, and a working knowledge of something. Theory hasn't been proved out. It's assumed that that's the way that it is. <clears throat> See, when I was uh, going through that separation and divorce, I come to a point of realization in my life. I didn't want the things of God to be a theory to me anymore. When the Word talks about them, I want to walk in them. Anybody else? Can anybody else identify with me? If the Word of God talks about it, I want to walk in it. Now there's things, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that I have arrived and I'm walking in it yet, but I tell you what, I'm trying to find out. Because the word of God tells me and, I, and there's, enough, there's enough desire in me to want to, to go after it. I'm not satisfied with just coming to church. I want to walk in his ways. I want to walk in fellowship with him. And every, every step that I make in advancement and I thank God for it, but there's still a hungering to, to, because I know that there's more than I've walked in. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> and you being dead in sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's why it had to be cut off. Hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Now, this is a great word to the church because a lot of the church is held when it comes to with a sin problem. And Jesus took care of the sin problem. But in a lot of people's mind, the sin problem is still paramount. One reason is because things hadn't been renewed and things hadn't been cut off. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. 
And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He made a show of them openly. You know there's something about God and the things that he did and the things that he did in Jesus. He did it for it to be seen. He recorded it so that we could know about it. When hell, when the devil and demon spirits hear the name of Jesus, they start shaking. Because they know, even though it took place 2,000 years ago, they still know what that whipping was like. Anybody in here ever had a whipping that you can remember that you have not forgotten? Now, in this whipping, this wasn't just a whipping, but any time, a fellow told me, they told me this here story one time, said this man had a horse, and he was mean to the horse. And I'm not justifying being mean to animals, but I'm trying to, I want to make a point with this. They said that he was riding the horse, and the horse got up to a mud hole and balked. Anybody know what balking is? Stop, wouldn't go. Now if I wouldn't go. He tried to make the horse go and the horse wouldn't go. He got off the horse and he beat the horse with his fist. He beat the horse till he beat the horse down on the ground. Shoved his head down in the water like the drowned the horse. I'm going somewhere with this. I want, you to, I want you to see this. Then after he got on the horse, the horse went right on across the mud hole. Said, so, well, that ain't no way to treat no animal. And no, it's not a way to treat no animal. But I tell you one thing, it's a way to treat the devil. You know, a lot of times we treat the devil like he's a good guy. When, he, when all he does is come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And there's people that worship him, thinking that he's the greatest thing that there is. Because he was, he's doing the same thing with them that he was doing with Eve. He's deceiving them. He's a master of deception. But thank God, the Holy Spirit is a master of truth. They said somebody else could take and ride that horse and you could get up to a mud hole and all you had to do was to say that man's name and that horse would jump right on over the mud hole. See, I'm not justifying being cruel to animals, but making a point. The devil needs to know when you speak the name of Jesus and the whipping that he got is memorable in his mind and not only in his mind but in all of the demonic kingdom 
the name of Jesus is a name that makes them quake. And we've given the right and the authority to be able to use that name. Have you ever read in scripture where it said, and he took the keys of death and hell and the grave? These keys represent authority. See, a locked door is no obstacle, and the Holy Spirit spoke that to me years ago. A locked door is no obstacle to someone who has the key. Amen. Someone who has the key. Now, I just shared the story of the, about the boy that was getting ready to, um, his daddy had passed away, 57 years old. And his whole faith was shaken. And there's things that can, you know, there's experiences that people go through in life that shake a person to the very core. Traumatic. But before this happened, he asked his daddy for a, for a key. And his daddy gave him a key to his office. And he was a little bit, he didn't say it, but he was a little bit perturbed that he didn't give him but one key. He said, this is the only key that you need. He said, and he took it in his mind, you don't trust me with the rest of this facility. And here he found himself standing on a bridge one night and starting to jump off because he had been so challenged in his faith that he didn't know if it was worth taking and going on. But the Lord ministered to him on that bridge. And he got a revelation that night. And he, he went back to the church one night and he called because he, he, he didn't have no key but to his office so he friend, to get into to the facility. He would have to get somebody else to come unlock the door to let him in. So he called a security guard that was at another facility that they had and he said, um, would you come and unlock the door? He said, yeah, I'm glad to do it for you, but it'll be about an hour before I get there. And he was frustrated because it was going to be an hour before he could get there. And he was still aggravated and perturbed about that key. So he said, he went to the door and beat on the door. He said, I hurt my hand beating on the glass because I was trying to break the glass. He said, I got a credit card out and I tried to Unlock the door. None of that worked. Out of sheer frustration, he said, maybe I'll put the key in it and push it and turn it real hard. Maybe it'll work through some of those keepers and all in there and maybe it'll unlock the, unlock the door. He shows it in there and he pushes it and when he does, the key just turns. He said, he has this bright idea. He says, I wonder if this would lock, this work on any of the other locks in here. He went to another door that he didn't have a key to, and he takes it, he puts the key in, and he turns it, and that door unlocks. His daddy told him, 
This is the only key that you need. He assumed that it was the key to his office. But it was the key to everything that they had. It was a master key. See, there's an identification with Christ. With what Jesus did. And I can tell us by the authority of the word of God, there's a whole lot more that's been unlocked for us and a whole lot more that can be unlocked for us. And we've got the key. And most of the time we don't even know that we've got the key. We've got the authority. See, the key doesn't just represent something that will get you in the side door of the church. It represents something that will unlock the kingdom of God and lock out the kingdom of Satan. That should, that should strike something in us to, to want to dig a little bit deeper, to find out more about this. This is an intriguing subject. So when Jesus tells Satan, Give me the keys. In my mind's eye, I don't know just how it all shook out, but I can see Satan trembling because he's had this authority for thousands of years. And he's a hard taskmaster. And he's got a lot of slaves. In fact, all humanity was slave to him because of our separation from God. But God's love for us is what brought Jesus to this earth. His love to re and his desire to redeem humanity. So he, he, he makes him give up those keys of death, hell, and the grave. Anything else that he's over. He doesn't kill him But he paralyzes him. You say if he's paralyzed, how is he able to accomplish these things that he accomplishes? You know, there's a lot of people that's paralyzed that can still move their mouth. Did you know that? And in the moving of the mouth, there's still deception that can take place. All Eve had to do was hear the words that he said and fall, and she gave herself over to believing them. And as she did, deception slipped in and he ended up getting the authority that, Satan, that, that Adam had. Satan end up, ended up with the authority that Adam had. Now, we were reading in our devotion one morning. And I, I told Sandy, because sometimes I, I, after we read, I'll get something. I, and I'll just, I'll just start speaking out of my spirit. Well, when I did, let me find this thing. I told her this. Fear is not the flow of God. 
Feel par fear paralyzes us and holds us in a position where the power of God cannot flow. The power of God flows through faith. This is why we need to become acquainted with God through His Word. So that fears that we've operated in can be displaced. Those fears need to be taken authority over. Those fears that have been given place, that we've given place to, need to be cut off. There's authority that we have as a believer. Now this may sound like Greek, but there's an authority that we have as a believer. And if we don't use the authority that we have, the authority won't get used. And we won't make the changes that we need to make and operate in the power that we need to operate in this earth realm. Now I'm going to read two other passages of Scripture to make the tie with this one because Jesus didn't spoil these principalities and powers just to say, I'm down in the hall of fame of faith that I spoiled principalities and powers. He, gave, he, he did that so that the people that were in the hall of fame of faith could be in the hall of fame of faith. And you want, to, want me to tell you something? Just because they're recorded in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews about the hall of fame of faith, don't you think for a minute that there's not people that he's, that he's writing their names down because the hall of fame didn't just stop with those few that are in there. They are people that are on the hall of fame of faith because I believe there's a wall in heaven. And you know what? He wants your name to be on that wall. Not as a sign that everybody can know that I am Mr. or Mrs. Faith woman. But that everybody can know that you're a child of God. And you're walking in the authority that God has made available to you. And that Jesus gave his life to purchase for us. See, if, if there's, there's anything that should have some bearing on it, it's when... When, he, when there was so much price that was paid for us to walk in this, there should be an effort on our part to find out something about it to walk in it. Amen? Amen. Something that costs the Son of God his life for us to be able to walk in. And we want to make changes. You want to see changes in your family. You want to see changes in your area. This is one of the ways of making changes. And you can't do it by guilting yourself there. Because the guilting, guilting yourself there is a flow of fear. Let me read this to you again. Fear is not the flow of God. Fear paralyzes us. And holds us in a position for the power of God not to flow. The power of God flows through faith. Through believing that he will. Through believing that he does. 
Not just that he can, but that he does. He flows that way. And then we challenge ourselves, I need to get on the page with him. And I need to become skillful at doing this. Is it possible for that to happen? Absolutely. Because Jesus bought and paid for it. And not only can we do it, it's our right to do it. And if we don't do it, there's other people that go lacking because there's somebody that's waiting for us, for our faith to rise up, for us to rise up to take our place. There's other people that are depending on us. You ever heard of a saint that was called Ananias? Bobby, I'm going to use your song. And a brother that's called Paul. And he meets with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul does. He's blinded by the light that he sees. He's led into the city. And he goes to a certain street, to a certain location. And God speaks to Ananias. And he says, I want you to go down and minister to my servant, Paul, Saul. He says, Lord, I've heard a lot of bad things about this man. He said, I know you have, but I got a special job for him. And I need you to go and minister to him. So he goes down there to him and he says, Brother Paul, God has sent me and I got a message for you. And not only do I have a message for you, but he told me to lay my hands on you and you'd receive your sight. See, there was authority that was given to him. There was a power that he was supposed to operate in. He yielded to the direction to God, that God had, and he walked in that power. And he ministered that power. And Paul was set free. Set free by the power of God. Aren't you thankful that there was a man named Ananias? Brothers and sisters, Ananias might not have thought he was, he was very great and very important, but he was somebody that God could use. Why didn't he use everybody else? He needed somebody that would say yes to him. Have I got any people in here that would say yes to God? Amen. That would say yes to him? Not no, not debate. You might have a question. But his question was this. Lord, I've heard bad things about this man. And God says, I know. But I got a special job for him. There's been a change in heart. See, brothers and sisters, there's encounters that take place with people.
and just as he touched our hearts. Don't you think for a minute that he can't touch somebody else's heart? We ain't always been the easiest cases to deal with. But thank God for the mercy of God. Did it get to us? Did it reach us? If it reached us, it's got the ability to reach them. But you can't operate in fear and get it to them. Because fear paralyzes us. But faith is the flow that God travels on. So a lot of times that when we find ourselves, when we find ourselves shifting or drifting in that, in that flow of fear, stop and shake yourself. Don't allow it. For a lot of us, it's been such a flow for such a long time that it's easy to drift back in because it's very familiar territory. But God is saying don't do it because when you do it, it paralyzes you. And you want to pray a prayer of faith. You want to pray a prayer that accomplishes something and not just a whiny prayer, but a prayer that accomplishes and a prayer that kicks the devil right in the mouth. Amen? Amen. And stops him in his tracks because what Jesus did paralyzed Satan. But through our not believing what Jesus did paralyzes us. That's the truth. Paralyzes us. Brothers and sisters, we're of the kingdom of God. We're not to be paralyzed by fear. If we deal with fear, let's deal with it. But let's not make room for it because it has no room. It has no room in the child of God. Why? Because Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He paralyzed them. The only control that they have now is the power of deception, the power of words. And if people believe the lies, just like sometimes in our past we believe the lies, and those lies kept us separated from the power of God. But thank God for the mercy of God. Thank God for the compassion of God. Now, Rufa, would you like to see the connection between this and something in Matthew? Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Now, I want to challenge you with something before we get there. Don't debate with these words, but when we read them, say, I take that. Practice it before we get there. I take that. Practice it again. I take that. Or, I receive that. Amen. They're both the same word when it comes to what I'm talking about. Matthew 28, starting in verse number 18. Tell me when you're there. There. Now Jesus 
has been crucified. He's been buried. He's risen from the dead. And he and he's speaking. And he says, And Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now here's a connection, Rita, between what Jesus, when he's full of principalities and powers, there was authority that he rose when he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead with this power over death, hell, and the grave. He rose with a power over the, over the powers of darkness. The powers of darkness are no obstacle to him anymore because he has overcame them. He triumphed over them in it. And what I told us this morning, you will triumph over in it also because the greater one lives inside of you. Amen. And just like that it seemed, no, seemed to be no way out that it was going to end ugly. What Jesus accomplished wasn't ugly. It was beautiful. So, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power in, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he turns right around. He's saying something to them that's been given to him. But now he commissions them, and it's almost like saying, This power has been given to me, and I'm turning and I'm giving it to you. Look at me. It's been given to me. I'm giving it to you. It's been given to me. I'm giving it to you. Good. Very good. It's been given to me. I give it to you. Now, what's, what's he say? Here's, here's the commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. How could they do this? Because they did it because of what Jesus had accomplished. When he spoiled the principalities and the powers, and he gave that to them, that was their time. That was their time. Brothers and sisters, these things did not stop with the apostles. In fact, he sent out the 12, and then they sent out 70. You know, we ought to be able to do the math and at least to figure out. If it stopped, out, if it stopped with the 12, what about the 70? Sometimes we get so religious and so eager all at the same time. But he's still saying, and the Spirit of God is still saying, ain't they still lost people on this world? Isn't there? Isn't there people that still need Jesus? Yes. Brothers and sisters, as long as there's humanity, the heart of God is going out in a go ye. Mm -hmm. Would you like to see it from another place? Go to Mark, to Mark chapter 16.
start in verse number 12 on this one. Because I want us to catch something. Because I want us to bring something into subjection. Verse number 12, chapter 16 of Mark. Afterward, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them with their unbelief, unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he had risen. Now catch this. Don't make excuses for our unbelief and hardness of heart when we're not catching what Jesus is saying. He didn't like it when his when the eleven when they didn't catch it and he doesn't like it anymore 2,000 years later when we don't catch it. But a lot of times we excuse it because we say, well, I'm not one of the 12. Yeah, but you're one of the go-yees. Yes. Are you a believer? Yes. Are you a believer? Amen. Answer that question to help me. Are we a believer? Yes, yes we're a believer. Now, now, here's where it says And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, now isn't this amazing? Who's he talking to here? Is he talking to the twelve? No, he's talking to the believers. He's talking to the believers. We are like faith. We are believers in Jesus Christ. Now he's saying something to us. Don't let him upbraid us for our unbelief and hardness of heart. Although we walk in it quite often. Way more than what we want to acknowledge about ourselves. But thank God for his mercy. We might have got it wrong a hundred times. But when 101 rolls around, why don't we get it right? Why don't we get it right? And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. I'm a believer. Here's a perfect time to use that phrase that I gave us a minute ago. I take, I take that. I take that. I identify with this group. Don't let this group hold you out. This is not an exclusive group. This is an inclusive group. He wants us included in this group. In my name, in the name of Jesus, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. 
Can I get that phrase again there? I take that. I take that. I receive it. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number. Not just that I made it to heaven. Thank God that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life and you're making it to heaven. But he's got things. He's got trophies that he wants you to, to receive. He's got things that he wants to accomplish. He wants to see the scout of the devil and demon spirits in the freeing of humanity as a trophy. He wants that when people say your name, that hell knows who you are. Amen. Amen. See, the devil know who you are before you got saved. But he needs to know who you are since you got saved. Amen. 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 There's a lot more in you than you think that there is. Because Jesus has already accomplished. And our identification with him is what makes all of these things possible. And without the identification with him, it makes all of these things not possible. But whether we know it or not, you are identified with him. If you are the born or the born again ones, you're identified with him. Now let's seek his face so that these things can be accomplished. He doesn't want these things just to be something that we read about in the book. But he wants the book to be demonstrated here on this earth in our day. And these signs shall follow them that believe. I take that. Identify. Don't, don't let those words come out of your mouth again. I can't do that. Because what that's doing is slapping God in the face. When he says you can and you say you can't. It's more of a thing of he says you can and I say I won't. Instead of a thing of, I, I can't. When the truth of the matter is, we can. We've just got to see our identification. What's your eyeball look like? What's your hand scan look like? What does your name tag look like? See yourself as identified with Christ. Because... You're in him. And if he's spoiled principalities and powers and he's inside of you, there's more principalities and powers to be spoiled. Amen? Amen. Instead, of, instead of us being paralyzed through doubt and unbelief and fear, let's be one of the ones that's starting to step up and say, you know, I used to be like that. But thank God I ain't like that no more. Amen. Start seeing yourself that way. Start, start speaking to yourself. Start seeing yourself. I told Sandy this morning, I've been wanting to do this for quite a while and I haven't done it. And I, I may share some on this um, sometime. But I, want to, I want to create a vision board. And in the vision board, there's things that I want 
to see accomplished in my life. I said, I want to make one for me and I want to make one for the church. Because there's things that I want to see the church accomplish. And I want to have a checklist that we can check these things off. But a lot of times we don't do anything because we don't see ourselves as doing anything. But I want that to change. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I want, us to, <coughs> I want you to join your faith with me to accomplish something tonight. <coughs> Diane is sick, and she asked us to pray for her. She asked if Sandy would stand in for her, and we anoint her with oil. But I want to go a different way. Rita, I want you to stand in for, and we anoint you with oil. Would that be okay? Are you open to that? And I want you to, let's join our faith together. In fact, come right on out of your seat and gather right around, around her. Right in front of that chair. No, I want you to lay hands on her. Okay. And just a, but I don't want you to lay your hands on her yet. See, Oral Roberts told Kenneth Copeland something. He said, when he did crusades, he would pray with an authority over the people that were sick. And he told him something. He said, don't touch him until... You're ready to release your faith. And Kenneth Copeland said this was something that he saw about Oral Roberts. He said he used his faith like a mechanic would use his tools. He used it on purpose. With purpose. So, I want us to practice that using our faith on purpose. To come against this devil... That's at work. And, and, and see sickness as not a friend. It's an enemy. All of these things come from the kingdom of darkness. That's another subject within itself, but it's the truth. Because when his, him and his kingdom are done away with, they ain't going to be none. Hallelujah. So, I'm going to speak to the sickness. I want you to speak to the sickness. I want you to use your faith this way. I speak to this sickness in Diane in the name of Jesus. And I command it to die in Jesus' name and to get out. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands on her now if you want to.
just thank you right now. Yes, thank you. Jesus, thank you. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this. I thank you for doing this. I thank you for doing this. Now let me ask you a question. How complicated was that? How complicated was that? Do you think you could duplicate that somewhere else at some other time? Yes. Sure you could. Sure you could. So don't let a fear that you can't do it paralyze you. But when the Spirit of God prompts you to do it, just do it. Just do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have the same power and authority. He gave it to us. When he told his disciples, he said, Go ye. And he's still speaking that go ye. If they didn't, if he weren't still speaking that go ye, there wouldn't be nobody going now. But brothers and sisters, there's people that's called in the day and hour in which we are because there's people that need a touch from Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's go into peace and in the power of God. In